You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm speaking with Mark Ferrari. He's the author of The Book of Joby. It's his first novel. Thank you for joining me, Mark. Thank you for having me. Uh, Mark, we're here at SF and SF, which is a really interesting gathering. And, and this is a, a, a couple of fantasy authors, you and, and Peter S. Beagle, who write works that, even though they're called fantasy, it's not what most people think of as fantasy. Yeah, you know, there, fantasy is not sort of a monolithic thing. There are many different kinds of fantasy. It's kind of like saying fish, you know, how many different kinds of fish are there? And both Peter and I, I think, tend to write fantasy that's set in a world, a contemporary world that's more familiar to the reader. I think one of the advantages of that is that there are a lot of connections between the world in which the story is taking place and the world in which the reader actually lives, so that when you close the book, the story doesn't go completely away. Some of what was in there is still around you in the real world. One of the things that, that I really liked about what I, the book of Joby, it's really funny. <laughs> you know, if you're going to tell a story about a guy who spends decades living a life where everything goes wrong, you'd better make a lot of it funny, because otherwise it's just going to be too painful to read. Uh, well, what made you choose to decide to do the, the story of Job again? I mean... You're competing, been, you're competing against Robert Heinlein. Right, right. It's been done, hasn't it? Um, you know, there were things going on in the community I lived in that really got me thinking about some questions. And, and one of the big questions was, you know, in this culture, at this particular time in history, I think a lot of us are taught very early on that the world operates in some kind of predictable and fair way. There's some sort of reliable cause and effect relationship between what you do and what you get. Do any of these things and the following positive consequences will occur? Do any of these things and the following negative consequences will occur? And if you grow up believing that, and then all of a sudden you find yourself in a world that just doesn't operate that way, what do you do with the sense of betrayal and the anger and the control issues that occur when you find out that the world doesn't operate like you were taught it did at all. Um, and so that's what the story's really about, is a whole bunch of characters who are all confronting the discovery that the world isn't the way they imagined it should be and what they choose to do about it. Could you talk a little bit about uh, your history? You have a really interesting trajectory into this world of writing. <laughs> um, well, what, I, what I'm fond of telling people uh, these days is that I've really always wanted to be a writer, but that didn't seem realistic or responsible, so I became an artist instead. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm not thinking that that's, a, that's a, a great plan A. Well, that's the kind of logic that's gotten me where I am today. Does anyone know where that is? No wonder you're writing the story of Job. <laughs> right, yes. Well, I am, um, you know, I just, I got started in art first and happily succeeded at that and, and, and made a living doing something I very much enjoyed for many years. But what I've basically discovered in the end is that I have, I'm a person with a head stuffed full of stories that I want to get out there where other people can share them. And for almost two decades, I was trying to do that as an artist, telling these stories one frame at a time. Uh, and finally, when I got around to the writing, I discovered that though a 
picture may be worth a thousand words, a thousand words is worth 50 to 100 pictures, and I could get my stories out a lot faster in writing than I was ever going to do as an artist. And it's turned out to be a, an even more enjoyable and I think effective way to get those stories out of my head and into the world where people can see them. Could you talk a little bit about some of the writers who influenced you? What, what, I mean, what made you start writing? When did you first start writing? I mean, Well, you know, I've written stories. Nothing, nothing's ever been published until this novel. And frankly, I never tried to have anything published until this novel. I was primarily an artist until, uh, the, until about the, the turn of the century. Um, <laughs> what a weird phrase, huh? Um, but I read this stuff voraciously. My fourth grade teacher read our class... The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien, and that was when I discovered such literature existed, and I've read it pretty voraciously ever since. Um, writers that have influenced me include Greg Bear and Ursula Le Guin. Uh, Greg Bear's very, very early fantasy duology, uh, Infinity Concerto and Serpent Mage, which later was republished as Songs of Earth and Power in one book. Um, that book had an awful lot to do with what I've always thought a fantasy ought to read like and feel like. It was about a, a boy in L.A. in probably the, the late 90s um, who, uh, who was sucked into fairy through an association with a very aged um, movie uh, soundtrack composer. Um, and the music somehow allowed him to be sucked into fairy where he was sort of trained to be a great mage. And I think that Greg was one of the earlier people to start setting fairy tales in contemporary, you know, United States instead of setting them in the Middle Ages. And that, that novel had a profound impact on me. And then, of course, Ursula Le Guin's work, the effect that, that, those, that her novels have had on me had much to do with how you, how you use language, period. Just the rhythm and flow, the lyrical quality of telling a story so that you not only have an interesting plot and interesting uh, progress by interesting characters, but you also have a sense of the beauty and the, the visual splendor and the, the poetic kind of quality of the world that those events and those characters are occurring in. Um, so those were those were two big influences, and then there've been a lot of a lot of writers since then. I, I don't think I should even try to go through the list of writers that have also influenced me. Certainly, Sean Stewart is on there, and um, uh, Gregory Keyes, and uh, I mean just really oh, and P Patricia McKillop, of course. Um, the, the list is too long. We'll do nothing but that if I go on with it, really. <laughs> Could you talk a little bit about just these events? Have you attended any uh, of these events? And just talk about maybe the, the science fiction community, which is strong. You know, um, I have attended a lot of science fiction and fantasy conventions since the late 80s. Um, I no longer live in the Bay Area. I have not lived in the Bay Area for about 20 years, and so I did not know that this particular organization even existed until I was invited to speak with them uh, by Jacob Wiseman uh, and his wife, and uh, I'm very grateful for that invitation. But, um, but I've certainly been familiar with the larger science fiction fantasy community for many, many years. And, you know, not only are they some of the most warm, welcoming, um, comfortable people that I've ever met as a group, but I also think that in some sense they are the, the repository for imagination in our culture to some extent, you know. We're, 
we're a culture that has gotten more and more wrapped up in the practical logistics of the material world and, you know, um, finance and shopping and, you know, all the rest of this. Our lives revolve around that. Um, a world full of television and other entertainment forms that in some ways are less and less imaginative. And imagination is one of the most important, vital human qualities. It's where the world we call human came from. It came through that, that capacity for imagination. And I think that in our culture, the science fiction fantasy community is kind of like the wildlife refuge for vanishing imagination. Um, and as such is a really valuable uh, kind of repository, like I said, for the larger culture. On that wonderful note, I'll conclude our interview. We've been speaking with Mark Ferrari. His new book is The Book of Joby. Thank you for joining me, Mark. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.